So, if you haven't already, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalm 100. Again, just really excited. This, this psalm is, um, is really special to me. has taken me through um, a lot in my life. And so, I'm hoping that today, if you're not already just into that verse, that, or the, that passage of Scripture in Psalm 100, maybe today you'll walk out with a different perspective of it. I think that any time that God's Word is opened and taught and, and studied, that, you know, that it, it, um, it demands a response in our lives. And so um, today, hopefully, will be no difference. Um, Psalm, Psalm 100 is an is a exhortation to praise, right? And so that word exhortation, I don't know if, about you, but there's some words in my life that I see, whether I read them or hear them, or say them, um, or do you ever have that time where you, you say a word because you think you know the meaning of it, and then you're like, does that mean what I think it does? Anybody ever do that, or is it just me? This is going to be interactive today, by the way, okay? If not, I'm going to come sit next to some of you, and we're going to just, all right? This is like a, this is like a, be, a big, since being the discipleship pastor, I'm more comfortable with four or five or six or ten than a couple of hundred. So if I've got to come out there, I will. Okay, I'm just saying. But does anybody ever do that, a word where you're like, I think I used that in the right way? Anybody? Yeah. So exhortation. This is what exhortation means. I looked it up on Wikipedia. No, actually dictionary. And it, an address or communication emphatically urging someone to do something. So, Psalm 100, again, is an exhortation to praise, to lay aside everything that hinders us, and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so, what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to kind of somewhat break these five verses down, and then we're going to take off into a place where we're going to look at um, God's characteristics that we see in truths in God's Word, about him, and then we're going to kind of see what what that um, what that calls us to do as far as praise and thanksgiving. Okay, so we're going to dig in right now. Psalm Psalm one hundred, and we're going to start with verse one, which again says it's the same scripture that I read earlier. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. So listen, God doesn't really care whether we sing or we squeak when it comes to worshiping here or worship individually in your car or in the bathroom or wherever it is you worship God, which you can worship Him anywhere, right? It doesn't matter if you sing or squeak as long as we are opening our mouths and giving Him praise with a cheerful and a glad heart. What God is concerned about is the attitude of our hearts when we come to Him. And sometimes it's kind of hard, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I, I um, now I am here a lot before most anybody or anybody gets here sometimes, but I know for some of you, um, maybe when you wake the children up or your spouse up or you try to feed them breakfast or maybe getting them clothes to wear, sometimes the attitude of our hearts isn't um, worshipful. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, it's okay, right? None of us are perfect, but what God wants when we worship Him Okay, he is, he's worried about the attitude of our hearts when we come to him. So, you know, say, for instance, that kind of happened this morning. As long as you come in here and you're ready, right? God wants us to be ready to make a joyful noise all the earth. Verse 2, 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. So he wants us to serve him with gladness, right? Uh, not manipulation or obligation. Uh, he wants voluntary lovers who choose him. And sometimes as a staffer, being a discipleship pastor, when it comes to serving uh, the Lord with gladness, um, I know that I've probably put some of you all in an uncomfortable position when I need somebody to do something. And I come to you, and I, I'll just say, it, I apologize if I manipulate you, okay? We need, this, we need you guys to teach this class, or, man, we could use this group of people to go out and do outreach. That's not how God works. He doesn't manipulate people, and I don't really manipulate you. I love you, and I see it in you that you can do the job that I feel God led me to ask you about, okay? You notice how I threw that in there, right? Or don't feel obligated. He wants all of us to be voluntary lovers of him and choose him and choose to serve him with gladness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip ahead to verse 4 because we're going to come back to verse 3 as we look um, at some other things here in a moment, okay? In verse 4 it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful, be thankful unto him and bless his name. So how do we enter the presence of God? In Psalm 100, we see the picture of gates, right? And the courts of the tabernacle from the Old Testament here. And in the tabernacle of Moses, all the people of Israel could come into the outer courts of the tabernacle. And all they had to do was bring their sacrifice, right? Bring a bull or a lamb to offer on the altar. And so listen, though, in that same picture... For all of us, in Hebrews 4, 15 uh, and 16, it says, Come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We can come boldly. We can come boldly in the new covenant because of the blood that was shed, right, of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. We have been redeemed, and for that reason, we can be thankful and bless His name. So listen, for all of us, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, all you have to do is come with a, a teachable spirit, an open heart, an open mind when it comes to worship. Look, that's all He wants. That is pretty simple. When you think about the world, what the world demands of us, we have the King of kings and the Lord of lords, okay, that all He wants us to be when we come to worship Him is open. That's it open and willing to hear him, willing to listen, and willing to go where he leads us to go. It's pretty fun, isn't it? It's pretty simple. But how come we don't? How come we don't? Sometimes I'm not teachable. I'm not moldable, right? But we should be. We should be. We enter in through thanksgiving and praise into his presence and thank him for his gift of salvation, his gift of eternal life, and his finished work. Verse 5, you're thinking, man, we're going to get out of here like 1130. Nope. So verse 5, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love. I think we have it, or we had it. Today it's about forever love, by the way. Keep that in mind, okay? Verse 5, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So listen, this offer, or this verse offers us three reasons Real quick, three reasons for thanking and praising the Lord. The first is this, that He is good. 
He is good. He always does what is best for His children. Always. I guarantee you, if we had a show of hands right now, and I did say it was interactive, but we won't do it right now, at least not right now, all of us could testify. Because those of us that are in a relationship with Jesus Christ have gotten in a pinch in our lives, and we've really seen God pull us out of that, and we know that He is good. He is good. And He's especially good to those of us that acknowledge His presence in our life and follow hard after Him through His Word, through prayer, through serving, whatever that looks like. He is good. This verse offers three reasons. He is good, and He always does what is best for His children. As the one and, as the one and only necessary being, okay, because He told Moses in Exodus 3 verse 14, I am who I am. He is the very definition of all which is right, all that is true, and all that is righteous. All that is righteous. He is good. Second, His love is steadfast. And this, this concept comes from the Hebrew, the, ah, easy for me to say, the Hebrew word has said, and Pastor David James mentioned this a couple weeks ago when he preached out of the Psalms, which is sometimes rendered as loving kindness. Okay, so this is a, this is a loyal, enduring, sacrificial, deep love. This deep love that he has for us, his love is steadfast. And listen, a good, a good example in the scriptures of this, um, of this attitude comes in the love shown by a father for the prodigal son, right? In Jesus' parable in Luke 15, verses 11 through 32. Although the son, and we're all familiar with this story, right? Although the son wronged his father and left home and led a corrupt life and squandered his inheritance, when he returned home, what happened? Anybody? Come on. Come on, brother. He found the father waiting to welcome him back, didn't he? Also, the father, what did he do? He rejoiced to have his wayward son home again. That's steadfast love. Here's the third reason. That we should thank and praise the Lord. God's faithfulness extends to all generations. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23, describes this characteristics of the uh, this characteristic of, of the Lord as great. Great. He is great. He's never... Listen, and, and again, I'm speaking to everyone, but only some of us are probably comprehending because we have a relationship with Christ. We understand God's Word, at least the best that our finite minds can. But, but He always... Uh, or He has never broken a promise, and some of us can relate to that, Right? He's never left a believer without his care or failed to do all he said he would do. God is who he says he is. He has always been reliable and always will be reliable. Again, God is who he says he is. So listen, there are so many characteristics in these five verses of God identified in this psalm that, that should uh, produce praise in our hearts to them. So I want to break that down real quick, okay? Just real quick. Um, before I do, though, verse 3. I forgot about verse 3. So verse 3 says, Know, which is meaning to perceive or to recognize and understand with approval that the Lord is God. It is who made us, and we are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. So listen, knowing the depths 
to our core that the Lord is God, that takes a supernatural faith that, that, listen, only God can give us. Think about those times in our lives where, again, you just maybe, sometimes, listen, sometimes it's just, it's not always us making those wrong turns. Sometimes it's situations in our lives making us go that way. Sometimes it's people in our lives, okay? It is. But how many times when we've had to go down that rough, rocky, splintered path, did, did we see his faithful love bring us through? And people around you is like, oh, how did you do that? That's supernatural faith. It's faith. It's all it is. That's all it takes. It's Really, it's pretty simple. Now, I know those splintered, rocky, rough, curved paths sometimes are really, really hard. But if we just get to the point, church, faith. It's faith. You know, with VBS and Windshape, we've had to counsel as pastors some, some uh, six- and seven-year-olds and some older kids. And, you know, it's so awesome. Praise the Lord for, for our children's ministry and all that Daniel did to set the groundwork for VBS and then bringing Windshape in. It is awesome how the gospel was shared for a couple of weeks in the summertime for children. But look, sometimes seven-year-olds, they don't understand faith. They just don't. But it, it's what it boils down to, amen? I'm sorry, I didn't, amen? It's about faith. That is it. That is it. I don't want to make it sound simple, but I want to make it sound simple. It's faith. Faith. Supernatural faith that only God can give when you read about him, when you apply what you read about him, and when you go where he leads, because he will get you through those times. In Romans 10, 9, the Bible tells us when we believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and receives salvation, there's a supernatural work that happens on the inside of us to know that the Lord is God. What is that working? That's the Holy Spirit. For so for those of us, again, in the room that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the minute that happened, the minute that you acknowledged His presence in your life, something came over you called the Holy Spirit, came inside of your heart and your mind and your body, and continues to be there and will to the day that, well, forever, okay? We'll just say that. The Holy Spirit's work is very important in the life of the believer. But we have to be in tune, right? We have to be in tune. Believe and confess is a great way to start. It's amazing, but there is an there is a created there is created an anchor, an anchor, it's Jesus in our life that can hold us together and hold us steady in, in the midst of the storms of our life. We've got to understand, church, that if you know God, you've got to understand you know God. You know God. If you know God, you know God. And that's what the world needs to see in us, is for us to come alive in Jesus Christ. So, let's go to the characteristics and truths about God that we see in Psalm 100 that will produce praise and thanksgiving in our hearts, okay? And here, here's a few of them. He has made us, in verse 3, He created us. That, that is a truth about God, okay? Now listen, I wonder sometimes if... 
if we take that for granted, how God has made us, okay? Just a quick little illustration. Um, unless, I used the illustration of a printer earlier, but unless you're a carpenter, not Michael, by the way, unless you're a carpenter and you've chopped off one of your digits, all of us, all of us, or my wife, which was born with six on one hand. She's looking at me. Listen, we all have a thumb on each hand and four fingers. We have five digits, right? He made us that way. Look, knees, again, and I don't, unless you've had a knee replaced, okay, you have knees that make your legs bend, right? You have hips. I don't dance, but if you dance, you can dance better with good hips, right? You have elbows where your arms can move, okay? Most of us have hair on your head to protect you from the sun and everything else. You knew I was going to go there, okay? God made us in a way. He created us. Think about the human body. Think about the ins and outs. For those of you that are nurses or doctors, you know how intricate our bodies are. So for a minute, I want to focus on something. <clears throat> I want to focus on these little things that, that are inside this little crater in our heads called eyeballs. Okay? Our eyeballs. Think about this. He, this is, again, a characteristic and a truth. God made us. He created us. He knows us. All right? Let me talk about the eyeball for just a second to show you how powerful God is. And some of you may already know these facts, so just... Hang in there. Don't fall asleep on me. Your eyes are organs that allow you to see. So what, what your eyes do is they, they take the light um, from the world around us and they send visual information uh, to our brains, okay? And did you know that our eyes can see about 200 degrees in, in all directions, including in front of you and to the sides, which is called peripheral vision, okay? But as I thought about this this morning, I thought, man, there is no way. My mom and my dad, when I was growing up, I will guarantee you that they had eyes in the back of their head. I mean, I can remember, Charlie, get out of that tree. So it's not just, I don't know. It didn't go over well. It's not just in front and in back, though. It's that peripheral, right? Okay. So parts of your eye. Uh, parts of your eyes work together to allow you to see images, movement, and, and depth. And your eyes can see millions of colors in varying shades, all right? How have you wondered, have you ever wondered how your eye works? All right, maybe not, so I'm going to tell you anyway, all right? The different parts of your eye work together to help you see images and send visual information to your brain. And I told the first service, look, I... I, this isn't Wikipedia. I did get this from a great site, but I am not, I'm not the sharpest drawer in the knife, so I had, to, I had to do some research on this. I just didn't pop. This just didn't come to my mind, okay? Um, the different parts of your eye work together to help you see images and send visual information to your brain. This process all happens extremely quickly when you look at an object. Light enters your eye through the cornea, and it, and it goes uh, to your lens, and what happens is your pupils, they get bigger and smaller to control the amount of light that gets into your eye, okay? And your cornea and your lens, they refract or they bend the light to bring what you're seeing into focus. So light reaches the retina at the back of your eye, and the retina changes the images into electrical impulses 
or signs. And by the way, and I appreciate the support that I got during that time, but I had a detached retina at one point in time about, I don't know, five or six years ago. I made the silly mistake of, of asking my, which I think he was probably two or three at the time, my son to give me his best shot, right? So I took my specs off and his little bitty fist at the time fit perfectly in my left eye. And so he detached my retina. It was a few days later and I had to have emergency surgery. So all of this, when you don't have one of these, is my point with that little story, life can be crazy. We take for granted our eyes. We take for granted our digits, our feet, our knees, our hips, our elbows. We take for granted our bodies. So let's move forward. The optic nerve transfers these signals to the part of your brain that re, that's responsible for vision, which is the visual cortex, okay? And the optic nerve carries signals from both eyes at once. And what happens is your brain intercepts what you've seen, and it combines the visual information from both eyes and brings it all together into one clear image. Did anybody know all of that? Did anybody care about any of that? The point is God made us. And he created us, and he made us in a way, you guys, incredible things. Think about the things that you see. Think about the color. And look, I haven't even touched on the eyelids. Not even touched on the eyelids. So you know what I'm going to do? I won't, there is about a 27-minute, no, it's only like a minute 42. There's a good, great video that one of my... I want to call him my good friend. I don't really know him. I've just saw him speak a lot of times. Louis Giglio made this video several years ago called How Great Is Our God? And he could, he could tell you better how our eyelids came about, okay, better than I can. So don't fall asleep, please, if the lights go down. But watch this video for a minute or so, okay? In the womb, miracles happen every moment. Here you are at five months in the womb. You remember those days? Those were the good old days. <laughs> and just miracles happening every second. Let me tell you about one. Million optic nerve endings left the optic nerve center of your brain in the womb, headed for a million optic nerves that had left your eye. And they had to meet and match their exact partner. One million looking for one million. And when they found their exact partner out of a million and matched up together. In that instant, you had sight. And anyone would tell you that to this moment, the most technologically advanced thing on planet Earth is your eye. Oh, but it didn't do you any good because when that moment happened, you just had one piece of skin completely covering your eyeball. But as I read in one textbook, miraculously and mysteriously at about the sixth month, a little cutting device appeared, and it cut perfectly that piece of skin. And you had eyelids for the very first time in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the God of the heavens is the one who fashioned you together. Mm, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? 
and I don't, I don't know how well girls might because you like do things with your eyelids, I think, right? Makeup or whatever, but I don't. Um, but recently I kind of looked in the mirror and I saw like how straight my eyes are, my eyelids are, and how they close and how they open. Of course, I couldn't see much when I closed them, right? But I mean, it's just really awesome how God works. He created us. And he made us. The second characteristic that we see. He takes ownership of our lives. We see this in verse 3. We are his people. We can rest in the fact that we are his. Now I must say that he takes ownership of our lives when we give it to him. Right? And I, I am a big proponent of acknowledging God's presence in your life. So we've got to do that, right? And, and if you have never done that today, a little bit later, there's going to be a couple of us down front. If today's the day that you want to acknowledge His presence in your life and, and, and take Jesus on as your King of kings and Lord of lords, and you want to live a life full of greatness, we're going to be down front, okay? He takes ownership of our lives when we allow Him to. We are His people. We can rest in that fact that we are His. And then in verse 5, it says that the Lord is good. Another characteristic, right? Goodness is in His character. It is who He is. Like love, it, pour, it just pours out of Him. And again, we can all testify to those times in our life where He was good. Also in verse 5, we see how His mercy is everlasting. He never, never gives up on us. Never. He continues to cover us. And I, I'm wondering here today, how many of us here this morning, again, can attest to His mercy and how He never gives up on us. How many can attest to that? Who has felt His mercy in your life today? Raise your hand. His mercy is everlasting. And we're acknowledging that this morning. Okay? We're acknowledging that this morning. And the last characteristic that we see truth about God is also in verse 5. that His truth endures to all generations. His truth is relevant to every person, everywhere, no matter the age culture, our background. As believers, where would we be without His truth? Where would we be without His truth? His truth endures all generations. This was here long before, even though I'm joked sometimes about how old I am, long before we were all here and will be here long after. His truth and faithfulness endures to all generations. So out of those truth and revelations that we see in, in the first five verses of, of Psalm uh, 100, th there's praise created in us, and we express that through these expressions that we also find in Psalm 100. In verse 1 it says, make a joyful, audible noise. Now listen, I've, I've, please don't take this too personal, okay? But I have sat in different locations in our worship center, and I will have to say that if some of you make a noise, that is a stretch, Okay, again. In other words, some of you can't sing, okay? So, but we're just, we're just called to make a noise, okay? And I'm sure me sitting next to some of you has been brutal because I sure can't carry a tune across the street. But listen, so make a joyful, audible noise we see in verse 1. In verse 2, we see how we're to serve the Lord with gladness, okay? Not manipulated, 
not feel like it's an obligation, but to serve him with gladness. Come before his presence with singing, also in verse 2. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, we see in verse 4. Entering his courts with praise, also in verse 4. Being thankful to him, also in verse 4. And blessing his name, also in verse 4. So there are truths and revelations um, that we see about God and how praise is created um, in us as, as we are to, again, applying God's word to our lives, right? As we are to... Um, uh, express those things when we feel that from God. Praise is created in us, and we express that through these expressions that we just looked at. So listen, I'm going to close, okay? It's pretty quick. You didn't get out 1130, but close. So listen, I get it. Life isn't easy. It's not. Life is not easy, and we all know that. Praise doesn't always come naturally for us, Right? In many days of our life, it, it does not come naturally. But as we meditate on God's Word, and as we gain revelation on who God is and His character, the truth of God's Word should and will, if you allow it to, produce hearts of praise. Okay, And just a reminder, quick side note, that, that um, praise is not a feeling. It's, an, it's more than a feeling. It's an expression of faith toward a, a God of mercy, toward a God of goodness, and a, and a God of truth, okay? And when we praise, uh, the feelings come because we again remember that we are His, and He is ours. And look, there's, there's a lot of people that have a lot of gods, but they can't say that like we can. We are His, and He is ours. That's pretty powerful. When you think about a God that can make an eyeball like ours, or make a Grand Canyon, or can make an iceberg, or a plethora of things. We are His, and He is ours. Praise is a choice in the midst of a stressful home, a stressful job, a stressful career, or really just stress in general. Regardless of what that is, and listen, I know at times that we can all feel, even coming in here on a Sunday, or hitting a D group during the week, or hitting a Bible study on Wednesday night, sometimes we can feel worn down and frustrated and overwhelmed with the tasks, the goals, and the pressures of life. But God is still worthy of our praise. Life should never hinder our worship of Him. It takes focus to go back to His Word and, and to remind ourselves of His goodness and His grace. Praise really is produced by truth, so don't abandon His truth regardless of how busy we become. You just can't. Like Pastor Jared always says, what is the loudest voice in your life? He's got to be the loudest voice, and when He is, worship will come. His Praise can be an anchor to your soul in the midst of a turbulent world. And we see that um, in the scriptures that we just read. Enter his, into His gates with thanksgiving. It, that's where it starts. Okay? So listen, I'm going to move into the invitation time. Let's pray, okay? Listen, we're going to sing a song in a minute that we sang last week. Um, but we're singing it again this morning because I just, I just feel like it just fits very appropriately, okay? Um, 
And so listen, as we focus in on the Lord this morning during this invitation, maybe you're struggling. Maybe there are things that are just hindering you and you just can't get over that wall or through that wall of pain or pressure or overwhelming feelings, whatever that is. Man, we want to help. We want to be here for you. We want a healthy church and we want you to be healthy in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if we can pray for you, we're going to be down front during this invitation, okay? We love you guys. Let's pray. God, we love you. And Father, I just thank you for your word. And, and God, yes, it, it is hard to worship sometimes. It is. And God, and I pray even today for some people, maybe this was brutal walking into this room. But God, you're a king that loves them just as they are, but loves them too much to leave them that way. And so I pray that you'll work. Father, if it's not now during this invitation, maybe it's at lunch or maybe later on this afternoon. God, do a good work today. Father, bring people to a place where they rely on you, they trust in you, and they worship you. And we lift this time up to you now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.